The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dom Roberts, a designer, creative, and activist living in Los Angeles. This is The Uncomfortable Podcast, a show where I speak with new friends, fellow activists, and guests all united and passionate about different injustices or just generally uncomfortable topics. It's time to dig deep into the human experience, and that's on period. It's all love. Let's get uncomfortable. Hi, I'm Haley Hubbard, a mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist and songwriter. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Today, we talked to Katie Kelly, who's one of our main go-tos for all things kids. She's been a nanny for 13 years. She's also a newborn care specialist and is an actual baby and kid whisperer. I feel beyond lucky that she works with us and our kids and is just part of our family. She's constantly giving us tools to help us feel more confident in our parenting. Not only that, but she's always pulling fun new tricks out of her sleeve. In today's episode, we talked to her about getting our kids re-socialized after 2020. We talked about teaching our kids how to share or take turns, and also how to foster independent play and why it's so important. Katie gives us practical tips, and we learn something new from her every time we chat with her. Hope you all enjoy as much as we did. Katie! Hello! Hello! Katie, it feels weird to have you not here, and you're at our house, and I'm in LA. I know, it's so funny. I really missed you guys. As much as I loved being on a flight by myself, I also was like, oh, I miss Katie and the kids and Tyler. (laughs) We miss you too. Katie, today, Jess and I wanted to pick your brain and talk about independence in kids and cultivating that independence in kids and kind of socializing our kids again, especially after the pandemic, and also teaching our kids how to share because, as you know, these are hot topics in our household right now. Mm -hmm. And I guess I just wanted to start by asking you, what is independent play? Just so you can kind of lay it out there for everyone, and then we can get into why it's important and everything. So independent play is exactly what it sounds like. It's just letting your kid play by themselves, which I think is a very, very important thing to let your kid do. A lot of the time, I think parents and caregivers forget that it's okay for you to use your imagination. It's okay for you to play alone. And it's actually really important for you to have that time to do that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. And I think it's one of those things that even when we know we should be letting our kids play alone, I think it's really hard to actually like foster that, get them to start doing that. Do you Mm -hmm. have any tips to help people start to get their kid to play alone? Yeah. So I love personally starting super early, but if you're already at a point where you feel like I have a four-year-old that has no idea how to play by themselves. And anytime I try to do anything, they're whining and crying because they want me to play with them. It's really easy to slowly start introducing independent play. I always say like do it in very small increments, five minutes at a time, set a timer and say, okay, bring out something special that they don't normally play with is also a really good way to get them excited about it something that you can trust them to play with by themselves. But you say, look, I brought this really cool new toy. You can sit here and play with it by yourself for five minutes. I'm going to set a timer. And when those five minutes are up, I'll come and join you and we can play with it together. But 
I want you to try it by yourself first and see how you like it. You can still sit in the room with them. You don't have to just abandon them. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you can slowly work your way up where, you know, you're just sitting back and letting them play and you comment here and there and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. I really like how you did that, whatever, but you're not, it's hard to not get involved sometimes, but just sit back and it's easy to get them into it to the point where they really like it. If you start small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have really helped us implement this in our household. And I loved it because I wouldn't have known when to do it or why to do it. And so we went through a phase where Liv was doing her 45 minutes of independent playtime. And then the pandemic happened. And I realized after a few months, we weren't doing the independent playtime. It was like schedules kind of went out the window for a second. And I feel like she started getting, I don't know, I don't even know what it was, but I felt like she was kind of getting anxious. And after a while, I realized, oh, she hasn't had any alone time from us. She is with us the whole day or with somebody all day. But at that time, it was all of us all day and didn't have alone time, whereas I was getting alone time during her naps or whatever it was. And I think just like we need our alone time or just a little recharge time, even if you're a very social person, we all need that that time. I was realizing they need that time too. But could you just kind of help explain why it's so important for kids to get that? Yeah. So I think it's easy to forget just what you said, that everyone needs downtime, even babies. It's so easy to overstimulate babies. And when you do that, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because now you have a grumpy, fussy, overtired baby because they've been overstimulated. It's actually really important developmentally for them to have a little time to just do things at their own pace and to make choices for themselves, even when they're tiny, even at five months old. So giving kids the opportunity to to choose and to decide what they want to do with their time is, it's really important for them. It's a great way to teach them a lot of self-sufficiency some resilience, some problem-solving skills, uh, just giving them that autonomy to make decisions for themselves when they have the opportunity to, because a lot of their day is dictated by us. So giving them even 45 minutes a day where this is your time, you can play with what you want. You can do, you know, in a safe space, obviously you're not going to let them just go tear up the house, but <laughs> you're in your playroom where I know things are child-proofed and I know everything that you can reach in here, you are allowed to play with and you can make that choice to pick what you want to do today and pick what you want that will make you happy. Mm-hmm. Liv is just a pro. I mean, 45 minutes is amazing. And yeah, I think when we, you know, I think when we think about independent play, it's, I love talking about it as a way of like, we build it up, right? So when you said a five-month-old, that's so amazing. So if we Mm -hmm. think about this from the start of life, we're thinking about independent play can be you're doing the dishes and mommy's hands are busy. And so you can say mommy's hands are busy. When I'm all done, I'll come help you. And so you're kind of building that up so that they can have that resilience to then be able to sit down. Someone once told me, and I I thought this was such a great way to think about that, is if you think about your kid's day in a third, a third, a third. So a third is direct you time, one-on-one with your kid, or just with you. Another third is that independent time. And that's time left in their crib or time for them to play with themselves. And then another third of their day is just sleep. And I thought that was really like helped me put it into context because I know how hard it is. With Bryce, it is so hard when he says like, no, mommy, do it. No, mommy, do it. And you have to keep telling yourself like the solo play is worth it. Just Mm -hmm. let them continue to kind of struggle through it, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it gets to the point with Liv, we worked up to that 45 minutes and it would be a lot of us popping in and saying, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? You're doing a great job. That looks so fun. What are you going to play with next? Whatever. But it got to the point where (laughs) she would not want us to come in and play with her. She wanted (laughs) to be by herself. It was so funny. She'd be like, we would be, have her little schedule for the day and she'd go, is it independent playtime yet? (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Let me get out of your hair. (laughs) So they really do start to enjoy it. And it's really fun to see them start to use their imagination. I would hear her in the hallway talking to her toys and it's just, so great to watch that where I've worked with kids before who I'll ask to go play and they just stare at you like a deer in the headlights. Like, I don't know how to do that by myself. Like they need so much direction, which happens. And that's why this is a great thing to start teaching your kids at any age. I love that. Side note, when you just said Olivia talking to her toys, do you remember when we did the chocolate chip challenge and she (laughs) sat there for like 10 minutes and was telling her babies, she calls them her babies. She was like, doggy, cat. And she was like, look at my chocolate chips. She she was even saying like, Nala, Simba, look. And then she was just like, hmm, I guess I'll just sit here by myself. But she had her little friends and it was so cute. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. She had to tell everything in the playroom about her chocolate chips. I know. She realized that we weren't right there because Katie and I were like hiding in the bathroom right next to the room. And she kept saying, Katie, Katie, hey, look. And then she realized Katie wasn't coming. So she's like, let me just talk to my baby. That's adorable. Adorable. I loved that. Okay, so when do we implement this? Because this is something as a parent, I just always forget. Obviously, we did it with Liv. And now Luca's 19 months. Is he getting to that age where we start implementing it? And do we trust him with that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's like, like I said, this is something you can start doing when they're tiny. You can do it. I mean, you can let your newborn roll around on their little play mat by themselves for five Mm. minutes and let them have some downtime. Once you get kids around four or five months and they can start grabbing toys and kind of interacting with toys, it's easier for them to, and holding their head up more. It's easier for them to actually play independently, but it's something you can start from a super young age. I feel like Atlas is a pro at playing independently just because he's the third <laughs> and there's a lot of times that he doesn't get the, all the attention because the other two demand a lot of attention. Yeah. So I feel like he's going to be really great at it. Um, but yeah, if you have a toddler like Luca, who is a little, a little on the wild side, just definitely having a safe space and picking a couple activities and kind of coordinating them off somewhere where, so he, we have like this giant playpen, uh, that we'll use sometimes. And that's a great spot to be like, okay, Luca, you can play in here and here are your three activities to pick from things that are safe or toys that, you know, that if you walk away, nothing's going to happen. Like color wonder markers. I'm obsessed with those because you can color. And if, if I walk away and you color on the walls, I'm not going to know you colored on the walls because they only (laughs) color on their paper or blocks, magnetiles, things like that, that, you know, will entertain them and are a safe toy. And I, I love what you said about getting them like into the activity at first. So sitting down with them and kind of getting mm-hmm. them excited about it. So say you pull out a train set, start putting the pieces together and then walk away as they're kind of engaged in it. That's yes. such a good trick. One of the things too we did with Liv that really got her into independent play was sensory bins, but ones that were obviously safe for her to do alone. So I, we would do an animal, an animal bath and that was like her thing. Like we'd pull out a bin, fill it with soapy water give her a bunch of her little hard animals in a toothbrush. And I was just like, here, you can give your animals a bath. And she would sit there forever and scrub every single, her little like 
mini Haley and Tyler OCD would scrub every single <laughs> little piece of these animals. I mean, she would have done that for hours. So oh, just I've, finding something that they get really excited about that they don't get to do all the time. The sensory bin is like the go-to activity at our house because it is yes. the thing that holds Bryce's attention for the longest period of time. Yes. They can entertain themselves forever just by dumping sand out. And I feel like Liv would be such a pro at cleaning her dolls. Yeah. cleaning her stuff. She, she would be so good at that. <laughs> She's like, oh, we get to clean. Yay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She loves, I have to like pull the wipes away from them because they just want to clean the whole house. I know. I know. Now Luca just always wants to go for the, um, like the little kid that Melissa and Doug mop set. Now he's always wanting to like clean up after everything. <laughs> I'm like, okay, go for it. Yeah. That's, that's so cute. I think that's a perfect segue into chores because I think part of independent play is also, you know, teaching our kids from a young age to help. Like kids want to be helpers and getting them involved in chores. So age appropriate, like what chores should we be getting our kids involved in? What tips for success over chores do you have? So chores, I feel like really you can start at such a young age, just like everything else we're talking about. But from toddlers on, they can start doing little things for themselves, like carrying their plates to the sink or putting their clothes in the laundry basket or putting their diaper in the trash can. I mean, I'm sure you see Luca, Haley has Luca carry his little poop bag downstairs every day. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of little things that you wouldn't think. I think a lot of the time we forget our kids understand so much more than you think they do, even if they can't necessarily communicate with you, they still understand a lot and they know what we're saying and they know what we're asking. So a chore is even if you think I have a one and a half year old who can't even say 10 words, that doesn't mean that they don't know the hundred of words that you're telling them. So taking your plate to the sink, throwing your, throwing your trash away, helping pick up something that they spill, things like that, putting their clothes in the laundry basket. That's a big one over here. It's really easy to just find the stuff that you're already doing every day that it's not going to hurt for them to help. I have to remind myself that too. of like, oh, I don't have to keep doing this. Now she or he is old enough to take their pull up to the trash can or feed Harley. Luca's even feeding, even been feeding Harley lately. And it's hilarious because it takes a little bit longer. He feels like one little kibble at a time, but it's helping him. And I feel like it's also giving them ownership of that task. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he's just so proud when he's done feeding Harley. Like he just waddles over with his bowl and carries it down. And I'm like, oh, you're so proud of yourself. And it's cute. And I feel like that kind of helps build confidence as well. Yeah. That's one of the things I always say is it might take a little longer for them to do it, but the goal is you're working yourself out of a job. So everything that you teach them to do is one less thing you now have to do. So it might take a little bit for them to figure it out, but in the end, it's going to pay off so much for you because now you don't have to do it. Right. And that resilience and patience that you said, you know, like building their self-confidence is the goal is to get them involved in helping you because it does build up that resilience and patience. And, you know, the simple things taking, you know, setting up their meal, right? So if you want them to put out a placemat or taking their dish to the sink, all of those things are really helping them build that up and being proud of themselves just from the inside. I think so many times we wait to give our kids chores and then we have to do like a chore sheet and give them all this external praise. But when you start young, you realize, wow, they feel so proud of themselves just inside and it's amazing. It's like a muscle. We got to just build that muscle up. Yeah, exactly. 
you guys know I always recommend multivitamins and prenatals that are made from the highest quality ingredients in bioavailable form so that your body can actually digest it. And one of the most common questions I get as a dietitian is which vitamin brand you trust. I'm so particular about which vitamins I recommend. And I've been recommending Ritual since they initially released their prenatal vitamin. I just love it. They really changed the prenatal vitamin game. Ritual's vitamins give your body the key nutrients it needs and was designed to actually fill in the gaps of your diet. So there are no secret added ingredients or fillers in them or extra nutrients that you can't absorb. It just really gives your body what it needs. I also love that it has methylated forms of B12 and folate so that you know your body's able to absorb it. We're all about quality ingredients and transparency here at Meaningful Living and Ritual makes sure you always know what you're putting into your body with their visible supply chain. So basically you go on their website and you can actually see where they source all of their ingredients. They're easy to digest because they're delayed release capsules. They deliver the highest quality ingredients in just two pills. I love them. I have my family on them. I've got all my patients on them. I cannot recommend them enough. Jess, you've actually always recommended Ritual to me. And especially when I was pregnant, I appreciated that they taste good and it didn't make me feel nauseous. That really helped me be more consistent with taking my vitamins, which is something that I struggled with before Ritual. I love that I'm getting my nutrients from a trusted source with quality ingredients. And so Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So go visit ritual.com forward slash living to start your ritual today. Again, go visit ritual.com forward slash living to start your ritual today. I feel like after talking about independent play, I want to talk about the opposite, which is socialization. And it's something I think that we're definitely struggling with after the pandemic and really not seeing that many people or kids or anything. We would see a few kids here and there, but we really stayed to ourselves. And Olivia was around a lot of adults during that time. And so now we're kind of phasing back in playdates and very slowly. But even that, I can just feel her anxiety, even the same way I feel social anxiety going into a group of more than three people. And so I guess my question is, how do we socialize our kids in general, but especially now that we're kind of easing back into it after a year of no socialization? Yeah. So I think with this, it's such a unique situation because obviously we've never in our lifetime experienced something like this, a pandemic that really forced us all to just stick in our bubble. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the good news is that everyone is in the same boat, pretty much. (laughs) All of these kids are also feeling this and it's this mutual awkwardness all around. I think just slowly reintroducing it, like with Liv, having them do small play groups in certain scenarios where one, you know that they're still being safe and it's people you're comfortable with, but then people that you can continue to reintroduce. So a couple of weeks ago, we had a play date with another, like a nanny friend and a kid that we've played with a million times, my old nanny kid that she's known since she was a tiny baby. And the first day we went over to play, they said hi to each other, but completely played by themselves. Mm -hmm. The second time we went over to play, there was more interaction where they were playing with each other, but then still separately, but then with each other, but then still separately. And then by the third time, I mean, they were inseparable. Like we had to physically separate them at some points because we were like, (laughs) okay, too much, (laughs) too much love here. Let's back off a little bit. But it's just that, I mean, kids are super resilient and thankfully I feel like there were such pros and cons to this pandemic where they got a lot of that individual one-on-one time with parents and stuff that they might not have been able to have with so many people working from home now and 
all of that. But then also they have missed out on a big chunk of, you know, classes and all of the, I mean, Liv was in music class, gymnastics. We were going to start ballet, all of those things that Mm -hmm. got put on pause. So it's just giving them time. And then I also think it's really important to still let them have like their safe space or their choices that we're going to go over here and play. It's okay if you play by yourself. That's okay. You don't want to force them into a situation. You don't want to force them to, you have to go play with this person. Or like, I know Haley and I were talking the other day about when people come over and it's like, you don't want her to look rude or disrespectful if she doesn't want to talk or engage with somebody. But then we were talking about, okay, your options are you can stay down here and hang out with everyone down here. Or if you want to be alone, you can go play in your room. You can go play in your playroom. There are options for you where you can still have your safe space and your, your downtime. If you are feeling overwhelmed and if you are feeling like you can't handle it, that's absolutely okay. You, you have, you know, you have choices here. Wow, Katie, I I love that. I love what you just said. That is amazing. I think so many times we feel this like external pressure when kids have a play date that it's like if they're not playing together, it's like, oh, they should be playing more together or like, let's try to force them. But mm-hmm. the fact that you just let her kind of be and let the kids be, and then you just kept re-exposing so that she felt safe in the situation and then she opened up and the same thing about people coming over. That's such an amazing point. I mean, that is that is a major take-home message because I think a lot of times we use our own pressure of what we think it should look like and we put that on mm-hmm. our kids as opposed to just letting them kind of be. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, we were in a play date a few weeks ago with some of our best friends and she did the same thing where she was playing independently and I'm like, you haven't seen your friend in months and you were so excited for her to come over. And then now you guys are independent playing, like what is happening? And (laughs) so I had to sit through my own discomfort in that and just be like, okay, they, they both just want independent play right now. And then the next time they hung out, it it got better and better, but it was, it was more uncomfortable for me than for them, which was kind of ironic. But I think that's how it is so many of the times, right? I think so much like what we're, we're going to get into sharing in a little bit, but like taking turns or kids engaging with each other when people come over or play dates, so much of that is is our own stuff where if we kind of allow our kids to be them, we prepare them, they know what's going to happen. And then we kind of just go along with it. I think that's right. I think we, you know, between parents, we just need to have this like understanding of it might not wait, look the way that we think it's going to look, but we have to just accept them where they're at. And I think that's, Haley, that's such a good reminder for just as we're hitting this new period of socialization, mm. you know, to just give ourselves this reminder and this pause and just this permission to let our kids kind of be what they're going to be in a safe way. Right. And just for us, like we feel as adults, even there are times where now if I'm in a a group that's bigger than I'm used to, or I see someone that I haven't seen in a while, I forget how to act. <laughs> like, do I, I don't give you a hug. What do I, how do I do this? <laughs> what do we do here? You know, and you get overwhelmed so much faster than before. It's just, yeah, I'm exhausted. It's a learning curve for everyone. Yeah. By the end of the day, if I've been socializing now, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize how not used to this I was. Yeah. I used to do this all the time, every day, all day, every day. And then all night at concerts. Yeah. Um, Something else I was just thinking of the other day, because I took Liv to gymnastics and it was a class of about six people. And then the adults kind of sat and watched over in this little sitting area. 
And I got there and I was like, okay, good. I can catch up on my phone and just sit here. And then I was like, wow, what kind of an example am I being for Olivia? She's seeing me with these other moms and I'm not socializing with them. I'm in my phone. I'm looking down and kind of, I was enjoying a moment to myself, but I was also like, but I also should socialize and say, hey, and and interact with these other moms and show an example for Liv. Do you think there's some element too of like, let's be a good role model in that sense? Oh, absolutely. Kids are watching everything we do all day, every day. And I'm sure every parent or caregiver has noticed because they'll say something, something will come out of their mouth that you are like, oh no, (laughs) that is exactly how I say that. Or that is exactly how I sound. So they see absolutely everything we do. So yeah, that's awesome. That in a scenario like that, you were able to recognize that and set that example for her because I, I guarantee you every second she had, she was looking out and seeing what you were doing while she was doing that class. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good time to talk about sharing. I almost don't even like the word sharing. I usually like the mm-hmm. word take, taking turns because yeah. we, right, we expect our kids to be able to share at this young age and that's just not what they're capable of doing, but they can take turns. I think socialization is really hard, but I actually think kids sharing their toys, taking turns with their toys and play dates is going to be this whole new thing that we have to tackle. I think it's definitely, again, like there's a learning curve now with this where they've all been in their house with their own toys for this long. They haven't had anybody else coming in and messing with their stuff. So there's definitely a little bit of a struggle there. Just today we had a play date over here and her friend wanted the little can of soup from the kitchen, but she wanted the can of soup from the kitchen. And it's one of those scenarios where I sat and talked to her for a second and I said, Hey, you, you get to play with this soup all day, every day, right? The soup isn't leaving here. The soup is staying at your house and it's staying in your playroom. Your friend's only here for a little bit. Do you think that we could share the soup with him so he can have it some of the time? You can have it some of the time. Do you guys want to take some turns with the soup so that he can play with it while he's here? And then next time we go to his house, maybe he'll have some cool toys that he'll let you play with. I think it's just something as simple as that, where as soon as I said that to her, she was just like, here, and went and handed him the soup after it had been this 10-minute struggle of, but I want the soup, but I want the soup. No, I had the soup first. Or you just explain it in just like you would want someone to explain something to you. How would you feel in this scenario? I remember learning in one of my child development classes about parenting styles and the authoritative parenting style, which is all about warmth and sensitivity and positive reinforcement, but still with boundaries and with limits. And one of the big things that they taught was always asking your kid how they would feel if the tables were turned, because that gives them a moment to look inside themselves and think about that. And that works really, really well with a lot of kids. I also do think though, that it's important if your kids have specific toys or certain things, I I think there's a limit to what you need to make them share. So I know like with Liv, she loves her lamb. And if a kid comes in and wants to take her lamb, that's going to be really hard for her. And that's her mm-hmm. thing. And I think it's okay to say, hey, she she doesn't want to share that toy right now. And that's okay. That toy, and you guys can disagree with me if you don't agree, but I think it's really important to also remind kids that you're not entitled to everything. And just because you're here doesn't mean you're automatically going to get something. And if there's something that I know is really important to you or that I know is your favorite toy, that you can say no, that you don't want to give that toy up. And that's okay. And I wouldn't expect her to go into someone else's house and take their absolute favorite thing and for them to be okay with that. Mm. I love every point you just made, especially teaching them empathy at such a young age. That is huge. And I love that. And it's a great reminder. 
but also the toys because there's such a fine line. And I really like that and agree with you. But then I also struggle with, okay, how do, where's the fine line of like teaching them? This is just stuff. And this is really special to me. And so I guess there is, there are just going to be those few things of like, these are so special to me. Yeah. One of the tricks that really works is before you have a play date, sit down with your kid and have them go in their playroom and choose five of their favorite toys that they do not want to share and they don't want to take turns with and have them put it in the closet away because they have such autonomy over their stuff. And so if you say like, okay, these five things are your special things that are going away and we're going to even take those out of the equation right now, I think it helps set them up to be in a place where taking turns is a lot easier because then those five special items are put away. Yes, I love that. Good tip. And Katie, going back to how you explained to Liv of sharing the soup can, I also love that because it puts it in their court instead of just saying, I think our immediate response in the moment is like, no, you have to share that. I mean, just kind of, or that's my immediate thought usually. Instead of saying that, almost realizing what that does for the other kid. Like what message is that sending the other kid? Like, oh, you can just have it because but because you fussed about it long enough or yeah. because you fought about it long enough. And I think it's just sending different messages when we demand them to share rather than ask them to share and kind of ask them questions about it. Yeah. Or like guide them into sharing. That's the thing. I'm not going mm-hmm. to sit here and force you to give up, give up one of your toys because someone else wants it, but I'm going to give you like the tools to think about how you would feel in that scenario and think about if that's something you do want to do, or if that's something you would want to happen to you. Yeah. And ultimately, like what you said, they're, they're the one making that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Something I also love that we've all kind of been doing in the household lately is we've been trying to declutter our closets and get rid of stuffed animals and toys and, and just letting our kids be a part of that process and explaining to them, look, we have a lot of toys. We have a lot of stuffed animals and there's other people that don't have as many stuffed animals. So let's, let's give these to somebody else that needs and wants them and, and kind of letting them pick and be a part of that process and learning how to share in those ways too. I also love doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Such a good point. Like that's, that's amazing. And I think maybe like the other thing just to, as a good reminder is just we can let them kind of, when they have play dates, it's okay if they're having some disagreements and we can kind of let those play out, right? Like we don't mm-hmm. have to intervene immediately, like you were saying, like kind of just letting it play out between them. And obviously, if things become, you know, dangerous or hitting or any of those things start, we have to jump in. But I think sometimes just letting kids try to figure it out on their own a little bit is is building up that skill of that socialization of learning kind of what's appropriate and how do I take turns and and what does this look like when I'm playing with other people? Mm -hmm. Katie, I loved when you were going through the stuffed animals the other day and having Olivia pick which ones she wanted to get rid of. Obviously, we have our obvious ones that we're like, we do not need these anymore. (laughs) There's some you just shove to the bottom of the pile. (laughs) We had these two mountains of stuffed animals and Katie and Liv were going through them and Liv went over to one of the piles and she was like, yeah, this is good. And I was like, oh, I almost was like, no, don't get rid of that. <laughs> it was like, no, I don't want that one anymore. Like, I, I want to give that to someone else. And I was finding more meaning in the stuffed animal than she was. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I need to let this go. Liv is practicing sharing with other people and I'm just trying to take over. Haley is hilarious. I texted her and I said, I'm, we're going through toys. 
is there, do you want to come see if anything has sentimental value? And she said, they all have sentimental value. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we cannot. These have got to go. I know. It was I, so funny. I can always find meaning in everything. If you're like, hmm, that uh, easel right behind you, like, does, does this have meaning to you? I'd be like, well, yes, we got it for uh, Olivia's Christmas present. I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah. everything. I think it's so hard with kids, right? Like separating that stuff because it's it's so exciting as they get older, but as they get older and it's time to move some stuff out, it's also that moment of just like, oh my gosh, they're they're not a little baby or a little kid anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there are those hard moments. You're so right, Jess. Something I also wanted to talk about was the mind phase. I think a lot of us parents struggle with our kids that go through this phase in early toddlerhood where they're like, that's mine. No, that's mine, mine, mine. Or um, right now where Olivia's on the trampoline and she's just like, watch me, watch me, let me do my tricks. When there's 10, not 10 other kids, there's like three other kids on the trampoline that haven't had their turn. What are things that we can say as parents to kind of steer away from the mind phase? And how do we ease parents' mind that that is probably just a phase as well? That's a a phase all kids go through, but Honestly, my method is just to be completely honest with them. Like Liv's thing for a long time was, well, this is, this is my couch. And be like, well, actually this is your mom and dad's couch and they're sharing it with you, which is why I'm sitting it. They're sharing it with me too. That's why I'm sitting on it right here. Or this is my, my whatever. And I'm like, well, this is actually in your mom and dad's house. So that was our, our, I feel like she almost just got annoyed with me. always giving her an explanation when she tried to say mine. So she got out of her face pretty quick, <laughs> but it is just one of those things where you just remind them that yes, you have your things and they have their things, but this is what we're doing in this scenario where this is why this is happening around the trampoline with, I mean, she will stop traffic to get everyone to watch her do her one trick, which is great. But then I feel like we also always have to remind her, okay, everyone's playing. Let's let everyone play at their own pace. Let's let everyone do their own thing. And if they want to stop and watch you, they can. But if they don't want to, that's also okay. Right. She had the kids lining up the other day to watch her run. She was like, everyone line up. <laughs> everyone <laughs> line up. It was like, okay, we're going to let everyone run. So it's just, just. I mean, every personality is so different too. You know, you have those kids that want that attention and they want people to watch them do all of these things. And you slowly can teach them ways that it's okay for other people to share the spotlight. And then you have the kids that want absolutely nothing to do with that. And you slowly build up their confidence and let them, you know, realize that they can have a little of the limelight if they want it. Yeah. Such a balancing act. Yeah. What I see with Liv is I just see like, I love that confidence coming out. You know, that's amazing that she can line kids up and want to run for them. That's just adorable. And that she's so confident about that. Mm-hmm. And Katie, what I heard is just so much of just validating those feelings. You expect the bumps. Know that, you know, if kids don't want to watch her when she is running, like that could make her upset and it's validating that, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I feel like I've learned so much already and I am <laughs> I know. I am so excited to build Brace's um muscle of independent play because it's definitely something that I feel like as parents, especially for me, like we fall in and we fall out. Like we just keep mm-hmm. we we work on it and we're doing really well. And then there's other days I'm like, did he have any solo play today? You know, mm-hmm. did I give him any opportunities for that? And I think it's really fun to allow our kids to do that. And it's a good reminder, especially after the past year, almost a year and a half that we've all had of just, you know, letting them play and build that imagination because it's something that they have to build. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Katie, as always, I feel like I just learned 
a wealth of knowledge from you. So (laughs) thank you so much. And thank you for taking time during their precious nap time today to come chat with us. Of course. You're just the best. And thank you. Thank you. I I always enjoy the conversations. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun. Also, if anyone that's listening didn't catch our other episode with Katie on tantrums, it's so good. Go back and listen. And you can find Katie on the Katie Sitters Club on Instagram. It's also a really great resource for kid tips and just everything. We love you, Katie, so much. Thank (laughs) you. Love you guys. And I really miss you. I really miss the kiddos. I know. We want you back. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We want to hear from you. Your thoughts, experiences, and anything you want us to cover. Tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. Can't wait to see you next week. 